the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Welcome, One Fellowship family and friends. Pastor Paul here. Who is excited to dive into God's Word today? Yes, thanks for the hands up. Kathy Amendolia, Jim, are you with us? Everyone, are you with us? Wonderful. Before we dive into the book of John, would you bow your heads with me as I begin with a brief word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name, amen. Let me begin by asking this question. When was the last time you realized that you were hardwired for worship? Outside of our devotion to Christ, the last time this reality swept through our home was actually in the spring of this year. You see, during the first week of the COVID crisis, back in March, something unexpected and magical happened in the world. Something unexpected but magical happened in our home. No, we didn't win the lottery. We didn't uh, find sunken treasure in the Charleston Harbor, though that would be amazing, wouldn't it? No. News broke that Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time, had signed with my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, this news was a big deal for two reasons. First, it represented hope. Yes, hope. Um, you see, throughout the years, the Buccaneers have been affectionately called the Yuccaneers for all of their losing. So the signing of Tom Brady, it uh, represented hope because we thought to ourselves, maybe this will finally bring us a championship after all of these lost years. And second, Brady's signing represented healing. Here's why. 
Carly, my lovely wife, has always loathed the Buccaneers. She has never understood my loyalty to a loser. In contrast, and for no reason other than she likes to cheer for a winner and also say, hey, we did in fact live in New England. She's cheered for the Patriots and specifically Tom Brady throughout the years. So in a twist of irony and beauty, Carly became a Buccaneers fan this spring, this March, when he signed with our team. She even went out and did this. And let's see the back. Look at her. She was so proud. She didn't even tell me about it. She just ordered Tom's Buccaneer jersey. Now, I know all of this is rather small and shallow, but I share it to poke fun at my family and illuminate the nature of our hearts. We are all hardwired for worship. We are all made to give our hearts in deep devotion to someone or something. The question is this, are we giving our hearts to the right person or right thing? Will that person, that team, that image, that dream, that ideology be able to carry the weight of our longings, of our love? Or will it, or will they let us down? Already Tom, or as Carly affectionately calls him, Tommy, already Tommy has let my family down. As Brady threw his first pick six in the first game with the Buccaneers last weekend, and he led us to defeat, I heard my wife screaming at the television, Tommy, what are you doing? Come on. And yes, it was awkward and embarrassing. Are you or are we giving our worship to the right someone or something? All of this talk of worship is why I love our passage today. It's very first verse has been called the Mount Everest of verses in the Bible because it unveils the very essence of Jesus and why he came and why he is worthy of our worship. What is more, our passage presents an order by which people come to Jesus or better yet, Jesus comes to people. And as we will see, there's beauty and simplicity to the process. So let's dive into John 1, shall we? The big idea from our passage is this. Before we believe in Jesus, we are invited to a place of behold, excuse me, beholding and belonging in him. Before we believe in Jesus, we are invited to a place of beholding and belonging in him. Let's unpack this truth today. Point one, behold Jesus. Our passage begins, the next day he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
Now, to fully understand this verse, we must unpack its language and its meaning. First, its language. Kids, students, adults, anyone here like English as a subject in school? Raise your hand. Anyone not like English in school? Raise your hand. And I've got Taylor with both hands raised in the production booth. I personally did not like English in school. Why? Because I really struggled with it. Turns out I had some undiagnosed learning disabilities. Nonetheless, as I've grown older, I've learned to slow down and look for certain things to fully understand an author's deeper meaning in sentences, articles, and books. And that holds true for the first verse in our passage today, John 1, verse 29. When translated literally, here is how our verse reads. Look, the Lamb of the God, the one who is taking away the sin of the world. Do you see all of the definite articles here? All of the thes? While they're not present in our English translations, they are in the Greek, in the original language. Why? According to one theologian, each definite article wants to make its own definite point. Jesus is not just one among many lambs, given by one of many gods, as one of many liberators from only some of our deep sin for only a portion of the entire world. He is the lamb of the one God who is the liberator from the entire sin of the whole cosmos. How's that for an introduction? John the Baptist is saying, stop everything. Look, behold, worship. This is the one for whom we've been waiting. And for a Jewish person of the day, and anyone who studied the Old Testament, this announcement would have been and is earth-shattering. And this leads us to the actual meaning of this verse. For the people of Israel, no symbol better captured the love, grace, and deliverance of God than a lamb. In Genesis 22, God had delivered a lamb to Abraham for a burnt offering in the mountains of Moriah to show that he will always provide for his people. In Exodus 12, God had instructed his people to cover their door frames of their homes in the blood of lambs so his judgment would pass over them and he would deliver them. And in Isaiah 52 and 53, God had promised a suffering servant who would come as a sacrificial lamb to free his people from the pain and sin within them. Just listen to these words from Isaiah that were written some 700 years before the birth of Jesus, foreshadowing the deliverer who would come. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. 
We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Who is this Jesus we are invited to ask? He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The one who brings peace, love, joy, and justice in accordance with all of the promises of God. And it's fitting that later in the Gospel of John, on the same day that the Jewish people are found spilling the blood of lambs in the temple to celebrate the Passover, that Jesus is led to a place called Calvary to spill his blood for you and me. Point one, behold Jesus. He is the lamb, the deliverer, the one who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one and only one worthy of our praise. This leads me to point two, belong in Jesus. Our passage continues. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and he saw them following and he said, what are you seeking? Okay, hold on and stop for a minute. Last week, we examined the claim that Jesus is the creator of the cosmos who came to redeem and save you and me. The word who became flesh to bring God's grace and truth. And today, so far, we've read that Jesus is the lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. And just as we're beginning to process these audacious claims, as the early disciples must have been doing, what does Jesus do? He stops. He turns. And he asks, what are you seeking? This is a question Jesus will ask again and again and again in many forms in his earthly ministry And moreover, through his word and his church, this is a question he's been asking for centuries and is asking even you and me. Gabby, what are you seeking? Stephanie, what are you seeking? Ryan, what are you seeking? Scott, what are you seeking? Much like the early disciples, I believe we're all listening to this message today for a reason. Perhaps we're seeking wisdom. Perhaps we're seeking forgiveness. Perhaps we're seeking hope. I believe we are all seeking something today. A couple of weeks ago, I received this message from a lifelong friend who I have not seen in over 20 years years. To my knowledge, he's not a follower of Jesus. And he writes, hi, Paul. Hope you and the fam are well. 
reaching out curious if you have experience and guidance for people about to go through a divorce, which is the unfortunate predicament I am in. Where and how can I draw strength to get through this personally and so that my kids have as smooth of a ride as possible? Thanks in advance. What are you seeking, Jesus asked. It seems my friend is seeking wisdom, he's seeking comfort, and he's seeking hope. How about you? What are you seeking or needing today? Going back to our passage, I love how Jesus responds to the early disciples and their desires. When they ask Jesus, where is he staying? He simply says, come, come, and you will see. Jesus doesn't first take a measure of their morality to see if they're worthy to be his followers. He doesn't give them an impromptu doctrinal quiz to see if they're knowledgeable enough to be in his company. And he doesn't pressure them into some soteriological discussion or decision to ensure their eternal well-being. None of that. Jesus simply invites them into a relationship by saying, come and you'll see. And that's the beauty of Jesus. He invites us, Jesus invites us to belong before we believe. In the words of Pastor Tim Keller, the founders of every major religion said, I'll show you how to find God. And Jesus said, I am God who has come to find you. What are you seeking, he asked. Come and you will see. So as I close our message today, here's my invitation for you. First, friends, behold Jesus. Behold him. Take the time to really examine the claims of Jesus. Read the Gospel of John. Read a book like Mere Christianity or Reasons for God. Join an Alpha course and honor the reality that you and I are hardwired for worship. Don't just settle for worshiping anything and anyone. And second, belong in Jesus. Come just as you are and dare pray, Jesus, if you are real, would you build a relationship with me? Tell him what you seek and dare walk alongside others, be it in our church or another church, who are also exploring or following Jesus. What are you seeking, he asked. Come and you will see. Before we believe in Jesus, we are invited to a place of beholding and belonging in him. And that includes you, and that includes me. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would search us and know us and draw us out of our shells, our cocoons, wherever we find ourselves today.
And would you allow us to behold your son, Jesus, and to examine all these claims that he's the creator of the cosmos, that he is the lamb who takes away the sin of the world, including our sin. And uh, we, we invite you to cultivate a relationship with us so we can belong in you. Dare we cry out, even now, would you answer our prayers? Would you come alongside us? Would you give us friends or the thirst to reach out to friends who could help us understand and walk and learn and trust, especially in this moment in history? Help us to behold and belong in Jesus, even before we believe fully. For it's in his name we pray, amen.